everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and educate those that maybe are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2021. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, however, I want to let everyone know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and or on Podbean, click on the description and you'll find the link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. On today's episode, we have the awesome Luke Taylor. He is a content creator on his YouTube channel, To Be Like Christ, and he studies and teaches the Word of God verse by verse. So how are you, Luke? How you doing? Doing well. Good to finally get a chance to talk to you and be on the podcast. Yeah, man. I'm just, okay, so I got to explain to you guys a little bit about... um, how I kind of find out, found out about Luke. So basically I was, as you guys know, have been doing a study of Matthew. I just finished up about like a week ago. And um, I was looking at like uh, trying to find some really good commentaries on YouTube because I don't like to necessarily uh, read. So um, I was like, let me see if I can find some commentaries that I can just listen to at the gym or something like that um, and take notes while I'm working out or something. And so I found uh, Luke's channel to be like Christ, and he was doing verse by verse expositional teaching. And so I was like, let me check this guy out, see if he's legit and stuff. And <laughs> when he did when no. he did the studies, it was like amazing. It it was basically everything and more of what I needed in order to study the Bible. And so um, I was like, I after watching so many of his different studies, I was like, I have to have this guy on my podcast. I gotta like use him like he he deserves for people to find his videos and watch them and like he just puts so much work into these bible studies um that if you guys like my bible studies you're definitely gonna really really enjoy his bible studies so what what led you man to uh start those bible studies on youtube <laughs> so well uh part of it was um i guess there are several reasons but uh, a lot of it was just that i saw kind of a lack of that kind of information i, I guess there were you know you see content like that but a lot of it was like made in the 70s or it's made in the 80s or it's made by people who are 60 years old and younger people don't feel like they can really relate to it and i feel like in our generation uh, how old are you like 20 25 <laughs> oh okay middle 20s so i'm 30 uh so we're not too far away uh you're actually my yeah. brother's age but um i felt like there needed to be there's there's definitely going to be a lack of kind of like that biblical literacy in our generation and i can't think it's kind of already here but um i wanted to make videos that were not like stuffy like an old guy in a suit and tie uh talking about the bible using illustrations that you know were part of his generation but to kind of bring it into like the modern world <laughs> so that kind yeah. of is what got me started yeah definitely i mean for sure like when i was searching up uh the commentaries to find like it really it honestly really did surprise me just how little um bits of bible teaching like real expositional verse by verse bible teachings there was on youtube i think the only thing i found was you 
Calvary Chapel. There's some guy in Ontario. <laughs> um, and then Bob Utley, who I also want to have on my podcast. He's great. Um, but he's from like the 70s. <laughs> so like a lot, a lot of his videos are like old and like, you know, the suit and tie and stuff. And, and so when I saw you, I'm like, this is a young guy. And not only that, but it was just so thorough. Like his the Bible study notes and everything you could want out of like, man, I don't understand this. I'm reading the Bible or like, what is this context here and that here? Just like everything was just so super, super thorough. So, but not only that, um, I'm sure you have a compelling testimony of how you came to Christ. And here we like to explore that. So tell me about like a little bit about where you grew up and, and all that. So I was watching your podcast last night from uh, Joshua Broom. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, my, my testimony is going to like be a real vanilla after this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I, I really don't have like an, like a, a dramatic story like yours or like his or like like my wife's, I think. Uh, my story pretty much begins like back in Columbus, Ohio. I, I was raised by two parents who love the Lord. Um, they not only love the Lord, you know, in their words, but also in their actions. And so Bible study in the introduction to like the story of Jesus and, and just all the Bible stories really were part of my upbringing from like the very beginning. Awesome. And so I got to read about that stuff, learn about it, and then watch my parents model it. And I was super blessed to be able to grow up in that, that family. And I don't, it wasn't until I was probably later in my, my twenties that I realized just how blessed I was to grow up in, in that household. Uh, and how many few, how few people get that kind of privilege and to know Jesus from, from the very beginning and have good examples to model it. And so I uh, grew up, I was just pretty much a well-behaved church kid, which, you know, doesn't make for very good podcasting. So what was it like growing up in church? So it was, uh, I grew up in a, a conservative, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-loving congregation. Mm. And, uh, I think the upbringing was was good and healthy. I don't necessarily align with all of the doctrinal principles of the church, you know, in its most traditional form. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was it was healthy in the fact that it taught that the Bible was God's authority. That it was something that we that's how that's how we as Christians knew how to live our lives and, and how the church was supposed to work and. Um, that was where we went when we had questions, and that was God speaking to us. And so um, part of the Bible studies that I'm doing now, I guess, is kind of my personal exploration of what's actually in there. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like, you know, for, for years and years, people taught me what was in the Bible, and my parents taught me what was in the Bible, and, and that was good. But, like, I needed to go figure out what was in there for myself. And so the verse by verse studies is, is kind of that. And um, I want to just make sure that stuff was stuff was right. And, you know, it's there's a lot of people who are taught things from their youth and they may or may not be right. And so you kind of got to make that discovery of truth and faith for yourself. And so that was that was a large part of it. So I became a Christian when I was, I think, uh, 13. OK, and cool. it was kind of just the, the natural, natural step. I love the Lord and wanted to do what was right and I uh, grew up went through went through high school and um, my I think my most formative years were probably right after high school well maybe maybe in high school and right after high school especially in the college years which are many people's formative years yeah <laughs> and uh, there were a couple events yeah in college and then 
um, in my like middle twenties that I think have had a big impact on kind of the way I view faith and the way I view sin. And, uh, it taught me a lot about myself and we'll probably get into that as we, mm-hmm. um, go through some of these other topics, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that, you know, it's not, there were definitely times when I struggled with faith and, and, uh, unbelief, but, uh, for the most part, I always had a confidence in the scriptures and in the existence of God. And, um, I suppose that's been that's been the pattern of most of my life, but there have been things that have made me understand God a little bit better and understand sin mm-hmm. a little bit better. And uh, so, yeah. what what was one of the things that um, was really hard for you to believe about God, if anything? Like maybe during those high school or college years, or was there a specific time where you like were like, oh, you know, I accept Jesus, but I'm just like not gonna live in this specific. <laughs> way right now or maybe not attend church or was did any of that happen yeah so i this was right after i got out of high school so growing up i guess i viewed i thought that you know i'd look around the world and i'd see people that were not doing what god wanted them to do and i thought to myself why you know i kind of think that these people the the reason they act like that is because they they either don't love god um, or, you know, they're hypocrites, they say they do, but, you know, it's, it's, there's no real conviction there. Because if they really loved God, they would just leave those sinful lifestyles behind and, you know, just walk away from them and come back to God because that's the obvious thing to do. And I think the reason I thought that was because there wasn't anything in my teen years that I uh, really couldn't walk away from, that I really was, uh, had a super struggle with. Mm-hmm leaving high school though uh i got into met this girl great girl i had known her throughout throughout high school and um got into a relationship with her and i knew that there was one temptation that i was somewhat prone to fall to and that was sexual temptation yeah and uh so i didn't this girl wasn't uh, necessarily coming from my same background and viewed issues of sexuality a little bit different than me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I knew that it was going to have to be my decision to stay pure in that relationship. But I also knew that I was weak to that temptation. Mm-hmm. And as, as time went on, I mean, our relationship grew and it went on for um, probably a year and a half. And But not long after it started, it you know became sexual. And that was on me because mm-hmm. I should have known better and I should have done better. But um, And then I... I was put to the test on what I had previously thought about just walking away from sin. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's so easy if you love the Lord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to yeah. it because I really liked her. And you know, it's just competing. You know, it's competing desires. Yeah. And that's usually any- too like um, really interesting because sometimes we might like when I when I first started following the Lord, um, God did things just so easily for me um he just delivered me from so much which i talk about like he delivered me from grinder and from pornography and you know from sex and and to me i was like man i'm just so in love with god like i don't know like why people struggle <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i was like i was thinking to myself i'm like man because i'm like finally god has like really come through for me and like i just don't think about sex anymore i'm like not even interested in watching tv shows i just want to read my bible all day 
And I didn't realize that that's like not necessarily a normal thing that happens all of the time. Like if God is gracious enough to give you those things where he shows you that part of himself because he's you know filled with grace and he wants to deliver you from these types of things that may happen to you in a season or maybe for your whole life um but that's not necessarily the way that it's going to happen to everybody so i thought the same way i was like oh man you know like people are struggling with depression or like even maybe with illness or something and i was like why don't you just pray and let it you know go away or something yeah. <laughs> and um like why is this so hard for you guys like god is like can do anything he's done so much for me in my life and then i had like a time where I totally fell off my rocker and, and into pornography. And then I was struggling so hard with it. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, what has happened to me? Like I, I had put it within my own strength and thinking it was something that was so easy, but in all reality, it was all just God who had given me that grace during that time to, to do that for my life. And so he probably did the same thing for you. And so that came around. He's like, oh, I want you to experience some tough times. Yeah. <laughs> so this was, so you say that happened, um, when you were kind of in that mindset that you could just walk away from sin, that was after your, after you kind of had been delivered from the first stage. Yeah, definitely. Like that was the beginning walks of, of Christ. Like when I first, first made the decision to really walk with him, he just delivered everything, mm -hmm. um, um, everything, the sex, the grinder, like all of it. Um, only thing just wasn't the same sex attraction, but the same sex attraction was so like, it was dwindling, man. It was like, guys weren't even on my radar it was it was something like the beginning the beginning walk of my christ with uh, beginning walk of walk walking with christ was the most easiest i would say and then after that mm -hmm. like after the first eight months it was like god's like all right i'm gonna take you off of these like these wheels off of your tricycle i'm gonna let you ride on like, a big boy bike <laughs> yeah. see if see if you really love me see if you really trust me <laughs> yeah i felt kind of the same mine I think my attitude kind of came from like a self-righteousness when I was younger because I was so I was a well-behaved kid all my friends were from the church and so I, I never really saw anyone like immediately around me get like caught up in you know any kind of like not really like turn away from the Lord and and, and live a life of sin right and so yeah I, th I think it was like oh well you know I'm self-righteous I know the Lord because I'm I can quote all these Bible verses to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's easily to fall into, especially if you have a really good home. Like if yeah. you have great parents and that's kind of like, um, if I, I remember growing up in my home, um, my parents were exactly the same as yours, like very loving home, very good home, teaching us Bible stories growing up. Like I knew all of the hymns in, in the Baptist church. And, and so it was, it was all very Christian <laughs> up until like we had a whole like, our church actually fell apart and it was a whole thing and then they stopped going to church and they started exploring and so a lot of that got destroyed in the midst of that but if that would have continued mm -hmm. i bet i would have developed a very like oh i'm, I'm self-righteous like god is just really good to me all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been good for me to go through the the gospels and teach through those because you know there's the example of the pharisees and those and the more i read about the pharisees i'm more, the more i'm like those attitudes have existed in me because I think a lot of times we look at it and we're like, oh, yeah, we're nothing like those people. It's like, yeah, yeah I was actually a lot like those people. Yeah. So I was in that that relationship and just like uh, for I think for a year and a half and struggling. I mean, it was never like I lost my love for God, which was, a, I think, important, an important lesson for me because there was still that love. Mm -hmm. But there was also this fleshly side that was pulling on me that I couldn't get away from. And uh, I realized that it was, oh, it wasn't as easy to, you know, the devil's good at what he does. And it's not mm. as easy to walk away from sin as I once thought that it was. And um, 
eventually by the grace of God, and I do definitely, it was definitely by God's grace, uh, in probably what was one of the, probably the hardest decision I've made in my 30 years of life uh, was I managed, God managed to get me out of that situation. And, yeah. um, but by the time I was ready to get out of it, uh, I was just like emotionally destroyed. I didn't recognize myself really. I, uh, was lying to people in my life about what I was doing in order to cover it up. And, uh, I don't think I'd read my Bible in close to a year at any, with any, um, regularity. Yeah. And, uh, there was like, I could tell the long-term effects of stress, like physically on my body, because I was just, you know, I knew like if Jesus comes back and I have to face him, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready. And <laughs> so I was, you know, and I was ashamed of the example that I was setting for that girl. Cause I knew it wasn't, wasn't right. And when I was finally able to get out of it, I think it changed my view of looking at the world and looking at at people and people who are caught in sin that these aren't necessarily people who are bad or evil and they might even have some kind of love for God but uh, temptation is it's a real deal <laughs> and it made me in, infinitely more compassionate than I was because before I, I just wasn't a very compassionate person mm -hmm. and couldn't sympathize or empathize with, with anyone and afterwards I could so that was that was a big part of I think developing an immaturity as a Christian and Looking back at that, I think the times when I was really, you know, almost just my identity was destroyed by this hypocritical life that I was living. You look back at those and it's like it, they were terrible times, but in a lot of ways they were the highest points of God's grace getting, you know, I'm just glad that he didn't let my conscience get hard mm -hmm. or get seared yeah. or to let me like believe that that life was going to fulfill me. Like I never felt like that and I'm thankful for it because eventually that's what led me out of it. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point that you bring up because when I think about that, so for example, I was, I was raised Christian and growing up Christian and I really, really loved the Lord. Like out of all my brothers and sisters, like I was the one who was like singing in front of the TV, like, Oh, he holds <laughs> the whole world in his hands. Like I love, love, love God. I had a very special relationship with him. But um, going through everything that I went through with the same sex attraction and, and coming out and you know all that stuff, I was like, I was like, man, why did God, you know, allow for me to to go through these types of things? But now looking back, I remember somebody asked me, oh, if you would have died during that time, do you think that you would have been saved? And I think to myself, um, well, number one, I don't think God would have let me die <laughs> during that time because that doesn't that's like not within the characteristics of who he is like when he says he's the good shepherd he doesn't like you accept him when you're a little boy and you want that and then you go through troubles i think sometimes it's like he allows for those troubles just like he did with job like he's not scared of our sin he's not scared of our compromise because he's already paid for that with the precious blood of jesus so he allows us to go through those struggles and um and have those times of wavering faith in order to produce that character and endurance within us. And so do you think that God allowed that in your life, just like Job, um, so that you would be able to mature in your understanding and knowledge and growth in him? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously I'd say I was like responsible for my own actions, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think definitely, I mean, God, God knows that's coming in somebody's life and, and even in somebody's life who loves him. Yeah. And I think he uses all of that stuff to uh, 
to refine us into what he wants us to be. And I'm, yeah. you know, you look back and you're thankful for it because you're like, I'm not the person I used to be. And even though that was a rough road, do I have to walk down? Like I'm, I'm better for it and I'm more Christ-like because of it. So yeah, I'm okay. thankful now, but was, <laughs> even though, even though it's difficult. Yeah, it can definitely, it, it, it can be very inspirational, especially for many people because they might be, you know, listening to this podcast or thinking to themselves, man, I'm just not walking with Christ like I used to walk with Christ and maybe he's forgotten about me or maybe he doesn't love me anymore. But just like in your situation, like you confess to knowing Christ and, you know, when he says, I am the good shepherd, like a good shepherd never leaves his sheep. Even if the sheep decides mm-hmm. to walk away, he's still after that like sheep. And so when you walked away, he was like, oh, don't worry. This is all within my plans. I'm going to go after him. And, you know, he is or has already accepted me as his shepherd. Like he knows my voice, understands my voices. When I call out to him, he's going to return back to me. So if people who are listening to this and they find themselves in a place like even me, um, where they were in in shame and in guilt of, of sin in their lives, it can be like really comforting to know like, you know, I did believe in Christ a really long time ago and I was really genuine with it. And I can definitely go back to that because um, he hasn't left me. He's letting all these things actually allow that to happen so that I can grow even closer to him. So I should just, I should just go to him. <laughs> it's like the prodigal son, right? And I felt exactly. like that in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because yeah. the father's sit, standing there waiting for you and you just need to come home and, and he'll be there. Exactly. So then you're in you're in college now after breaking up with this girl, right? Mm-hmm. And what are you studying in college? Was it like ministry related or anything like that? No, I actually went for, for business. And um, why, I don't know why I ended up completing my business degree because it, was, it wasn't something that necessarily interested me. But yeah, I went for business and I finished that degree at um, Ohio University. And then I decide I decided about a year before I finished college, I was like, I I can't sit in a cubicle all day and feel good about like the work that I'm doing when I know that like so many people need the gospel. Hmm. Uh, I was at that time listening. It, I was at an internship working for a research company, and I was uh, listening to like old Francis Chan sermons. Yeah, <laughs> back back when he was still at that uh, congregation that he planted, and he was yeah. talking about evangelism and how we just sometimes don't do it. You know, we ignore it. We we good at attending worship, but we don't we don't teach anybody, right? And so I was convicted by you. those. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was convicted by those and um, I was like I need to I need to do something about this and so I I had done some like mission work in the past real short term mission work mm-hmm. and I thought you know maybe that's the road that I should go down so I kind of pursued a path of like a traditional missionary where um, I was going to go to like a two year school to kind of prep. And then after that, going through that school would give me some connections and I'd be able to raise resources and funds mm-hmm. to go out and be a missionary and, um, yeah. you know, somewhere in the world. And Was so it like, I actually went, like YWAM? I'm not familiar with that. YWAM? Oh, they, that's what they do. Huh. It's like a discipleship school where they train up missionaries and then oh. teach them how to make resources and stuff. I'm surprised you don't know it. It's like, it's yeah, huge. Never, like if, if you want to be, if you want to be a missionary, like you go to like YWAM because it's like the place where like, they teach you all of that and then send you oh. out. No, I, I, it was, so this was like a small, like preaching school. And it was actually kind of more geared towards people that wanted to be like a pulpit, a pulpit guy. Okay. And, 
And, but I, I went there and they, you know, they had some, some missionaries who had worked there and, and I thought that God was going to send me to India and that ended up not being in his plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought he was going to send me a couple other places and that ended up not being in his plan. And that's actually when I met my, my wife, mm-hmm. my future wife. Wait, and, why, uh, why India? Why did you have a particular interest in India? <laughs> I knew a missionary who was there and I had seen, I had seen and heard some things about it being like a good spot for, uh, there were a lot of people responding to the gospel just because they hadn't had a lot of exposure to the gospel. And so yeah. I thought, Oh yeah, this is, you know, this is where I need to go. And yeah. Like this one's the easiest one for me. I like, I'm going to be able to just have the response I, I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I can send my all of my uh, conversion stories back to my supporting churches and raise yeah. more money, and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so then you meet your wife. Um, how, do you, how do you meet her? So my wife is probably the second, like, formative moment, I think, of my faith because I had grown up, actually, in the same congregation with my wife. But we took, like, very divergent paths when we were probably early teenagers. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took the, you know, I'm sticking with the church and was involved. All my friends were in the church. She decided that she was basically going to walk away from the church and all her friends were out in the world. So I'd say she lived a pretty typical, um, well, maybe not a typical, but she, she got into the, the party scene of, of college and the alcohol and the drugs and the, the sex and she would tell you as much. So that's the only reason I say that, (laughs) but um, she, she lived that way for probably 10 years. Mm -hmm. And this is a girl. I I always thought she was hot when I was younger. We went went to church (laughs) camp, church camp together. And my mother was like, you better not be interested in her. (laughs) And and she was right at the time. Uh, But, Ten years down the road, her mother got cancer, mm-hmm. and this kind of started the process of of getting her thinking about eternity and mm-hmm. what really mattered in life, and it sobered her up, I guess you could say, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Yeah, and uh, the the cancer ended up not going well, and her mother died when she was uh, in her middle twenties. My wife, and wow. That was, uh, you know, a dramatic moment of transformation for her because mm-hmm. at that point she was at that point And then a few months beyond she was really born again in the sense of becoming a new person. Yeah. And, and it showed me that the gospel could legitimately change people. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through a process of they, they recognize that they need the Lord and they do really well for a short period of time and then they kind of fall off the wagon and they go back to their old life, right? Which yeah. Which I guess was kind of what you were t- talking about. You experienced something similar in mm-hmm. a way. Um, but she's, she, she's stuck with it and she's stuck with it and she's had her struggles, but she's stuck with it for the long term. And I mean, she's uh, more of a Christian than I am, mm. even having grown up in the in the church and being the good good church kid yeah um, and she pushes me to be better and it showed me that that the gospel has power to actually change people's lives it's not just not just a fad that people go through so then how did you meet her <laughs> oh so i so i knew her growing up because we we did grow up in the same church mm-hmm. and then um so she and she would come to to church every once in a while 
just with her parents or whatever. Okay. And so we kind of loosely stayed in touch. But then she started coming back to the church regularly when her mother got cancer and, and after that. And so we kind okay. of, that was the time when we uh, started dating. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so her mom's going through all that and then you guys are dating. And, um, and then when did you guys decide that you were going to do missionary work together? Like, did you guys get married or what was that timeline like? We had discussed it before uh, before we got married. She wanted to do it. She, she had just come home from a trip from India, two trips from India, and mm-hmm. one from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and decided that's what I want to do. She, she's also a nurse practitioner, okay. so she wanted to use that medical experience to do um, medical missions. Yeah. And so that's kind of been our focus ever since we got married. And Guam, I guess, is where I live now. It's kind of like a first step to that. But we really want to go to a country where there's like not very much gospel exposure at all. Yeah. And um, reach people that don't have anybody to reach them. So that's kind of the goal. Yeah. So you are now a full-time missionary online and then also in person. There's there's nothing else that you do besides... Um, like ministry, basically, right? So there, there is. We have some. Uh, we have some other small online businesses that mm-hmm. we run. Uh, and my wife works as a nurse practitioner here in Guam. So I work mainly okay. online on some of the small businesses, and then obviously on the the ministry stuff. And uh, so we're not we're not officially like uh, full time missionaries, I would say. But yeah. our goal is to do. We want to support ourselves in the mission field. Yeah. instead of like the traditional route of raising money from congregations yeah. back home. And we think that'll free us up to plant churches as we think they should be planted and also to spend 100% of our time in the country where we're going to build relationships rather than having to run back and forth, you know, doing all the reporting the missionaries have to do and stuff like that. So that that's kind of our goal and why the other small businesses exist. And that's kind of cool too because like um – same for me. I think the hardest part about going into ministry um, was definitely having that dependency on, uh, like, it's uh, dependency on other people to fund what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Since I'm like teaching the gospel and trying to get people to come to Christ and doing everything online, I can't do another job because it's too much. Like, it it, it won't work. <laughs> There's yeah. like, if I go and be like working at a gym as a personal trainer again and then try to do my youtube teachings like one one is going to suffer and so i'm like mm-hmm. having that dependency on people to um donate and keep this going um can be really really hard so i hope to one day mm-hmm. you know author some books and you know if god is willing for me to do that author some books and let that be the source of like passive income so i can like fund my own ministry like work that yeah. i want to do but i know that you are like composing or are trying to compose some books based on the studies that you've been <laughs> doing right yeah I uh, I have one next to me. So this is this is the draft of my Luke book, which has oh my gosh, it's so big. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I think it's like four hundred pages. Oh I'm, my god, I'm work I'm working on this and I'm editing it now. And um, so yeah, it's the, so my goal is to create these books and then I sell them on Amazon. Or it, the goal is to sell them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I also give all my notes away for free. And which isn't maybe the best business decision, mm. but <laughs> I'm, if you're if you're anything like me, like I mean, I love having the notes for free, but mm-hmm. I, I love having like a an actual book to be able to highlight and stuff. So I mm-hmm. think it, I think it's work because for me, I feel the same kind of 
way. Like a lot of what I do, I would never charge for. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, one of the, the people that I look up to the most in ministry is the ones who gave everything off for free. So for example, like um, Billy Graham, when he was hosting his revivals all around the United States, like didn't charge tickets or anything for those things. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with Keith Green and his albums. Like if you didn't have enough money to afford his music for worship, he would just send you an album for free. You yeah. know, that those are the people that I, I am like, wow, you know, um, the gospel is a free message and it's something that we've been honored to be given by God for free. Why should we um, charge that for other people? So I think like people who are genuinely understand your mission and what you're trying to do, they will like pour into your ministry and buy those physical books that you can continue to make more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. But I, yeah, there's definitely. been I've, I put the notes online for anyone to download because I, I know a lot of people in the Philippines and some in India and some around the world. And it's like they don't have access to Amazon and, and Mm. Or they probably don't have the money to even purchase it, even if they did. And yeah. one of the things I heard most often when I was overseas is like, do you have any resources that you can give us? Mm. Because, you know, here in the States, it's like we can get Bible resources like nothing. I mean, you can go to the thrift store and buy a bunch of Bible resources. But over there, you know, when the, especially in India, where Christianity isn't as big of a thing, um, there's a lack of resources. So I, I felt convicted. To, to give them away for free and so that's Definitely. i've been surprised at how many countries around the world i've had downloads from which it's it's encouraging that's super cool man yeah i definitely i i think the same thing especially when it comes to you know you, you keep mentioning india i think you really like india huh <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like really interesting because i actually know a couple of people from india and yeah you're right it's like it's really difficult you know the gospel is not being preached there and there's so very few churches and the churches that are there are very like not good you know like very manipulative yeah. and like very cl um clicky and and so it's difficult do you get those indian missionaries who hit you up on like facebook and send you photos of all the work they're doing and ask for money i i get i get african ones <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> but I, I don't respond because i know that it's like i'm pretty sure it's just scammers and okay. so they'll use like those pictures like the first ones i did respond to and then yeah. i got the same format over and over and i was like this is this is not real like this is if, I, if i'm gonna give to like africa or india like it's gonna be through an organization that i yeah. personally know is like being run by someone like I don't care if you're hitting me up online. Like, I'm like, first off, how are you even affording like the cell phone bill? Like, how are you yeah. having an Instagram account like hitting me up? Like what? But mo a lot of what I wanted to do too today as well, not just share your testimony because you're like, my testimony is like bland and vanilla. But I think like, you know, a lot of people can relate to just that. A lot of people are just growing up in Christian homes. And that's why they listen to my podcast is because they're like, I don't understand what this is. I never had experiences like this, you know. So come you coming on here is like a lot more relatable than maybe something like Joshua Broom's story or my story. But um, <laughs> speaking of, so you just recently, um, you don't do a lot of hot topic, um, like conversations on your, on your YouTube. You, you like to do verse by verse. But Pride Month comes around and you're like, I have to make a video about this. And so you made a video about um, Christians and whether or not they should celebrate Pride Month. What what do you think um, inspired you to make that video? I so I, I saw and I mentioned this in the video, but uh, it just seemed like there was such an outpouring of it seems like almost all the businesses, almost all of the. Uh, or so many organizations around here have come out in support of Pride Month. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily make me mad or anything like they're not 
Christian organizations and yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, but, um, but I just felt like I, I felt a conviction to maybe make a video on it or make a statement on it. And I kind of suppressed it for a while. And then as the month kind of rolled on and I continued to see more and more of this, I was like, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should make that video. It's not going to be a video that I enjoy making and it, it wasn't. And I don't necessarily, I don't enjoy arguing with people online. <laughs> but, yeah, neither um, do I. <laughs> I. I felt like there just needed to be a voice for the opposing side, but to do it tactfully and to do it respectfully and with an understanding that a lot of people, they don't know Jesus, they don't know why they shouldn't support Pride Month. And, and there's a lot of people that are actually, I think, legitimately believe that they're standing for the moral good when they support mm-hmm. something like Pride Month. So yeah, that just a conviction that to speak on the, the Lord's position on it. Yeah, interesting, you know, um, and that's very bold of you because, you know, um, even for example, for me, um, I didn't, I mean, I have to talk about Pride Month because <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> my entire channel is about, you know, same-sex attraction and coming out of the homosexual lifestyle. Um, but those videos are really hard to make too, you know, because at the same time, I have a lot of compassion um, for uh, people who are in the gay lifestyle, you know, trans or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, the whole LGBTQIA+. Um, probably that's in the wrong order, but... And I have a, I have a lot of friends still um, who are gay and and even people who are gay and you know, supposedly Christian, and so making the videos I can see the part of the perspective of someone like you growing up in a in, in a Christian home and um, having that really good um, understanding of morality and why you believe what you believe in and 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 not straying far away from that and and being um, super cautious. Um, with the Lord. And then I can also see the perspective of someone who has had a lot of hardships, maybe someone who was abused and, you know, introduced into a world of pornography or, you know, of sex addiction and without them even really wanting that because they just grew up in a really, really broken home or, or, or them facing rejections from their parents and stuff like that. So in making a video, I think I didn't post it on YouTube. I posted it on Instagram. If you guys want to go and listen to that, um, whoever's listening to this podcast, but, um, I was like, where do like, cause I, I want to make sure that people understand, Hey, you know, um, same sex attraction. Um, if you, if you're, if you're wanting to follow Christ and you have same sex attraction, like you should follow Christ and be able to really surrender all of that unto the Lord. Understand that for God, anything is changeable and moldable and doable. Um, and, um, and that it's not the change that should propel you to come to Christ, which I'm going to make a whole another uh, video about. Um, cause I, a lot of my followers who follow me, they're like just following me because they think, uh, like I'm all, all that I have to give is like, Oh, we're going to change. Like someone's going to change their sexuality. Like that, that's all that they mm. want to hear from me. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, you, you can change your sexuality. And that's not really what I preach. What I preach is the gospel, the good news. It's mm-hmm. just like, we can change everything about ourselves, not just sexuality. So when I was making my pride, um, video, I think there's a difference between celebration and acceptance. And so celebration is, I am going to say that this is correct and I'm something I'm celebrating as in like, I am really like, I love this. I think this is correct. This is the right thing morally. And then acceptance is just, I can understand what that person has been through and why they are at the place where they are and why they feel the need to celebrate that, even though I'm not celebrating that. And I'm not going to ignore it either. I'm going to just Mm -hmm. accept that it's there because a lot of, I think a lot of what Christians do is that they they're like they don't want to accept that it's right 
but then they also want to ignore it too and they just be like this mm-hmm. isn't happening and it's like we as christians especially mature christians that's kind of been my goal is to like people who have never been through that have, have like have never even thought about that before um <laughs> give them like a little bit of an open door of what what that feels like for an individual who might want to be like i want to come to christ but like I am dealing with all of this baggage and I have no one to help me. So a lot of Christians have just been like, let's just ignore it. Let's bring it down. Let's say this is everything yeah. about it is just really, really bad. Um, and people don't understand there's that difference, you know, celebration mm-hmm. and then acceptance. Acceptance is not, I think this is right or I'm approving of this. It's just acknowledgement. I guess be- mm-hmm. a better word would be acknowledgement. It's like, I acknowledge that you feel unseen. I acknowledge that you feel broken. And so you have to go out and celebrate that for you and your lifestyle. And that doesn't mean that I'm gonna ignore it, it's just I'm going to acknowledge it. So how do you feel mm-hmm. about that kind of thing, like with pride? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a, it's a good perspective. I think a lot of Christians feel, having come from kind of a background of, you know, being in a church my entire life, um, a lot of pe- Christians feel almost like they're being backed into a wall. And I think they're almost like a biting dog, you know, when you back a dog into a corner yeah. uh, where they feel like they have to laugh. If they're going to make a response to it, they have to lash out at, at it because yeah. they feel like they're being they're losing turf to the, the, you know, a once, you know, supposedly Christian nation or whatever is now kind of embracing this. And they're like, we're on the losing end of it. Yeah. And so they either don't speak about it because they are really uncomfortable with the fact that they're losing ground or when they yeah. do speak about it sometimes it's like it it's not from a place of like i can understand your sin and i acknowledge it it's like shame on you people for bringing this into our into our country i yeah. think that's 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 a big issue that i see with a lot of people that i that i know there is unfortunately i think there is a kind of a separation of sins that people struggle with you know, yeah. people see these kind of hot, the hot cultural issues as almost like separate sins that are yeah. uh, like like a in a degree worse than mm-hmm. other sins that maybe they're more familiar with, and that yeah. that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, definitely. I you know that's a really good point, and it's funny because they're like backed up into that corner of just like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? This new generation is like really messed up, and there's pride everywhere, and all these bad things you know, that they deem bad. Um, and and really, it's, you know, who's to blame for that? It's, you know, a Christian nation will, will continue to be a Christian nation if the Christians step up. But mm. that's the problem that we've had is that we're no longer Christian nations because the Christians haven't stepped up. We've been mm. hiding ourselves in a building. We, we've forgotten what it is to acknowledge people, accept people, um, love them into the arms of Jesus. So I think it was, you know, one of the first books that they had me read at Oral Roberts University was, I think, The the Father's Cry. I think that's what it's called. And it's all about the generations of um, a lack of fatherhood. And Mm -hmm. so um, when when we come into a new generation that doesn't want to know anything about Jesus, it's usually not that generation's fault. It's the generation's fault previous to that. And then the generation after, um, before that as well, of just not Mm -hmm. passing down that torch of what it really means to look and act like a Christian. And that's why the, um, the state of our country, according to, you know, Christianity and conservatives is like getting worse and worse and worse. Because it's like, we have, like Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. We have the light of this earth, right? We're like, where we are, it's going to shine. 
so if our nation isn't shining it's because we're not shining like we haven't been loving the people around us so we have no one to blame for pride and for all these things that are happening except for the christians who like haven't been able to get a hold on this topic and be like okay you know i think like we're not addressing this very well because like People are coming out and they're feeling more, feeling more comfortable and all these things. Like we as a Christian haven't done, done our job well because if we were doing our job well, the light would dis, um, dis, uh, uh, like distance the darkness, basically. Like not give room for mm-hmm. any darkness. So I agree. I think, there was, I think there's a lot of people like back in the, the 50s or even, couple, <clears throat> even a few decades before that, you know, when this was a Christian nation, uh, largely. Um people kind of got content with with just accepting that and then um, didn't uh, fight to keep it that way, I suppose. And and while I think, you know, no nation is immune to the influence of, of evil, uh, we, we definitely could have done better. Um, yeah. And, and by fight, you mean like, so for example, for me, um, when someone says that they are uh, fighting, you know, that, that um, agenda or whatever, like uh, the best the best way is not to fight it, it's to love it. And mm-hmm. not as in like <laughs> love it as uh, like uh, we deem this to be right. But it's like when you want to heal someone, you don't fight them. You take mm-hmm. care of them. You know, you you um, you care for them. And so if someone that you believe is maybe a broken individual or struggling with sin, you're not going to lash out at that person. You're not going to make that person feel feel worse for the things that they're going through and or the guilt that they're feeling and all this different stuff but what you're going to do with that individual is that you're going to love them into the arms of christ like there, there'll be absolutely no reason for someone to go to jesus um you can't manipulate you can't fear someone to go into in, into jesus which is what we you know as christians we've done a lot it's just like oh you're gonna go to hell you're gonna you, this is gonna happen to you you know jesus doesn't love you god doesn't love you so you you're gonna want to like go to him you're like what no like People are going to want to go to Jesus if they feel like, oh, God loves me so much and he's willing to give me a new identity that is completely rooted in him. But you bring up a really good point as well, because you said that we esteem some sins higher than others. And a lot of people are like, you know, you know homosexuality is the big one, you know, the big sin, the thing that is like unforgivable, the unforgivable sin. <laughs> and um, and really, it's a it's a complete lifestyle change. And uh, even the smallest thing is still very big to God. So whatever we refuse to give up to God is just as much as like the homosexuality. Like, let's say, for example, I'm someone who um, like really holds on to my monetary wealth. Like I'm, I love my riches, you know, for God, it doesn't matter if someone loves their the comfort of money or if someone loves the, the comfort of a man. What he's calling mm-hmm. both of them to do is leave leave it all behind. And mm-hmm. so we can't like direct the sins. And that's what I feel like I want to teach most of the Christian church. We can't direct this, the people to the sins and make that the objective of just like, this is what we have to get rid of. We have to get rid of the gay. No, 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 no. We have to get rid of the us. We have to get rid of the entire old identity. And that's what we have to teach. It's just like everything goes for the heterosexual as much as for the homosexual. It's like everything goes your entire desire your careers your you know your jobs like um your money your your relationships everything goes so mm-hmm. yeah i think when i use the word fight i meant it more in the sense of like how christians fight which is obviously different in the, in the like the christian army which is different than you know obviously like going out and 
beating people up. <laughs> yeah, like what <laughs> or, is what was that the, um, the the Catholic Church going around the uh, the Inquisition? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> killing, killing people and converting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot what your point was. Your uh, your second point. Oh, about, about the sins being yeah. worse. Uh, yeah, which that for me, and and when I say I grew up as like a good church kid, it's like. It, I think anyone who grew up like me is going to recognize that there's still struggles that you have. Like I'm not, I think my biggest struggle just across the board has been, um, in the first place, excuse me, in the first place has been sexual temptation. And then in the second place, pride and trying to Mm -hmm. learn, learn to be more like Christ in, in that, in being humble and being a servant. But you know, that first temptation, with the sexual stuff is, is part of the uh, issue that I ran into in college with those relationships. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I didn't struggle with things like pornography when I was, when I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. even, I mean, even for a long time I did until the Lord kind of showed me what I needed in order to get out of that situation. Uh, I don't know that I would say I was like addicted to it, but it was, it was a struggle in my life. And I think we, we all have, I, I feel like probably most all of us, probably all of us, have some mm. kind of besetting sin. Like the thing that is our temptation. Yes. yes. <laughs> and recognizing that and having God show me that through that relationship that I was in, that I too had a problem with walking away from a certain sin. Mm-hmm. It taught me not just about that particular sin and the, the pull that it has on people's lives, but at the root, like sin is not, all sin is pretty much related, right? Mm-hmm. It's something we, that we think we're going to find satisfaction in outside of God. Mm. And that could be, like you said, money. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's uh, heterosexual relationships. Maybe it's homosexual relationships, right? It's, it's all us pursuing some kind of satisfaction apart from God. And the yes. devil's really good at luring each of us with whatever it is that we are prone to giving into. Yeah. And so when I when I realize that and I realize I too can fall into sin and have difficulty escaping. It helped me to understand that people who struggle with other sins, they're just struggling with ultimately the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and that helped me to I think view people on more of an even plane. Yeah. That sure I might struggle differently than you. But we're all we're all fighting the same battle. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, I, I also think like um, you studying um, um, Matthew and and um, and Mark and Luke. You know, um, how how do you think in reading the words of Jesus? Because for me, you know, really going over the Gospels for myself and and hearing the words of Jesus, it really transformed actually the way that. Um, I evangelize and the way that I treat people or maybe even on unbelievers like so if someone who is dealing with same-sex attraction comes up to you and it's and you're and they're like you know what I want to meet Jesus but I also like men or like women you know whatever um, how would how do you think that Jesus would respond um, to that in the Gospels like how do you think that he would evangelize to that person um, um, and 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 bringing that into your life like how would you exemplify that for that individual who's like i want to know i want to know about christ but i i like men what would you do in that situation i guess 
I actually had a, a conversation real similar to this in uh, the comment section of the video that I made. And, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, and I think a person who was coming to me with that kind of question would probably be somebody who realized that they weren't finding the satisfaction that they were wanting in the lifestyle that they were in. Mm-hmm. And um, is that kind of the scenario that you have you have in your mind or are you thinking something else? I think like uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of both. Like they find satisfaction, but not really, you know, convicted, but, mm-hmm. but still doing it. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> um, I think you, it's a, it's a good, it should be a healthy balance of what Jesus taught on the issues of that we need to be concerned about sin, right? Because unless mm-hmm. we're concerned about sin and the, and the, the fact that it separates us from God, uh, unless we know what that is and have a good working definition of how bad sin is, like we can't understand what we're being saved from. And so I think it should yeah. be a good balance between saying, okay, you know, the lifestyle, the, the things that you're participating in now are, aren't things that God's pleased with, but there's good news for that, right? And, mm-hmm. and what you're also going to find is that there's a greater satisfaction in living God's way than you're ever going to find in living uh, for, the, for those other sins. And so I think that's, that's probably the way that I would approach it. And I, I don't pretend to <clears throat> have the best understanding of, of Jesus on all things, but I think he would be somewhat similar <laughs> to yeah. uh, that position. Yeah, what, definitely. Uh, what do you think on it? Yeah, I think... Um... I think for me, uh, the way that I've seen is um, the only way to fight the darkness is with light, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, light is love and God is love, you know? So to me, it's if something is really evil, something is really wicked or what is defined by God as wicked and evil, because um, to me, I would say all things go, but for God, he says, no, it's one way and that's it. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. the only way to goodness is through Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the light. And so to me, okay, uh, just like Martin Luther King said, um, I think it was um, um, you can't fight evil with you can't fight darkness with darkness. You have to do that, you know, with light or you can't fight evil with evil. You have to do that with love. Um, so I think having people experience the love of Jesus before even making decisions to follow Jesus is really important, because why would I want to follow something that has no power? And I mm-hmm. think that's what Paul says too. you know, Paul says in the last days. Um, there will be a form of Christianity, either Paul or Revelation. There's a, there'll be a form of Christianity, like a form of godliness, um, without the power of God. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot, is mm-hmm. that we we have a form of God where it's like, you need to confess that you're going to give up everything for Jesus or the altar calls and all those things. Um, but there's no power. There's no change. There's no experience. There's no oh, I know that God is real because he showed up in my room or he or he healed me or he took away my depression or, you know, whatever it is. So how can I, as the ambassador of Christ, be able to show someone the love of God? And so, and when I get to show them that and they can experience that, then they can be like, oh, yeah, I, w- I now know why I want to follow God and I now know why he's real and that's what that's why I want to follow him for myself. I've experienced that, um, and until that realization happens, that person needs to live however it is that they deem fit that they're gonna live, um, until the Holy Spirit convicts them on that. And I think the only way 
that we're going to fight that darkness is through that love that we have as Christians. So you, you, mm. you said excellently. Um, it was um, sort of similar like that, but more. Um, <laughs> I forgot what was the exact words that you used. Um, but um, it, you people are going to want to like have a greater fulfillment. That's what you said. Um, people are going to understand that there is a greater fulfillment in God. So how can we get people to really see that greater fulfillment? Because what we do is that we set up sins. And we're just like, you need to lead this, you need to lead this, you need to lead that, you need to lead that. And so it's just a, it's like legalism. Mm-hmm. It's like all these things that I have to do in order to get Christ. It's like, no, no, no. Christ wants to show you himself first. And then all those things, they're left behind when he reveals himself. And that's why I think he had the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all these people who were following him around because they didn't have to do any of those things. They were still that, they were still the prostitute, they were still the tax collector. But as soon as they met Jesus, they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> so we can't ask people to leave things behind when they haven't met Jesus. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think so. By like, you have to, you have to show them something better before they're ever going to leave what they were engaging in. Yes. And, and that's what Jesus was like. I mean, for those tax collectors and the sinners and, and publicans and, and all those, those folks, <laughs> they were, living a life. And I imagine that for a lot of them, maybe they found life to be pointless or meaningless or unsatisfying or something like that. Jesus comes along and he was like, I'm the answer to what you've been looking for, Mm. uh, for what that, you know, that hole that's in your soul. And I think, I think probably all of us to some extent have that, that longing. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, are we searching it out or are Christians that are around me being a light to me and showing me that my, the soul and my the soul or the hole that needs filled in my soul can be found in Jesus. And so I think, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good point. And I, I really think that's a good, a great part of this podcast and why mm-hmm. I appreciate you doing this is because I think a lot of these topics just don't ever get discussed in yeah. the church, but there, man, there's a ton of people struggling with them. Mm. And, and having grown up in kind of a conservative church, these topics are kind of like taboo. Yeah, like I I don't know how many Bible classes or sermons I've sat through. Very few of them have dealt with these topics, and when they, when they, you know, topics of sex or same sex attraction or yeah. uh, these more difficult, you know, the stuff you deal with on your channel. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> but there's every 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 kid who's 15 or 25 or 35 has a cell phone, has a computer. These temptations are in front of them every single day. They're dealing with a culture that puts sex in front of their eyes every single day. And it's it's <laughs> yeah. so good at convincing you that what you need is is that, right? Yeah. That if, if you go out there and find uh, some woman or some girl or some man, you're gonna find satisfaction in that. You, you hear that in the music, you see it in the magazine rack when you're walking through the grocery store. And I think, and, and a lot of us, or a lot of people in the world, they're not they're not blessed to grow up in in Christian homes like we were. So we were yeah. kind of presented like this is what's going to satisfy you. We yeah. left, and we and then we realized, oh, that that was actually right. Like Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is actually what's going to satisfy me. But mm-hmm. probably ninety nine percent of people in the world, they're not growing up with Christian influences in their lives, yeah. uh, especially when you take into account other nations like China, India. Yeah. Uh, these Asian nations that Christianity is not part of their culture. And so their 
going through life trying to find what it is that's going to satisfy them. They're trying all these things the world's going to offer them. They need to, they need to be shown something better. And uh, so I, I bet a lot of your audience kind of falls under the, that category. And so I think, I think that's one of the reasons I appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It is, it is extremely taboo. Even, you know, even for me as a Christian, um, revisiting my past is so it's, it's heavy, you know, it's really, mm -hmm. really heavy. I wish I could move on and um, just be like normal, you know, just like live in the, the fullness of God and understanding all that he has for me in my life and like having to leave those memories and those things behind. Um, but understanding that if I leave those things behind, I leave a group of people behind with me who mm. will never be able to understand or know how to find Jesus for themselves. And so God did a mighty work in my life um, and he gave me an opportunity to show that mighty work unto other people. I believe that's why he did it. Um, and so I, you know, I commend you for coming on here and talking about those things with me because, you know, there's, like I said, um, I, this has been a almost like a, a conversation I've wanted to have for such a long time with someone who does not struggle with same-sex attraction, someone who is just <laughs> like a, a, a really a, a, a clean-cut, you know, Christian. And that's kind of like when I hear your testimony, it's just very like, you know, someone who's loved the Lord since they were little and has had an amazing childhood growing up or, you know, whatever. Um, but having to discuss this with just a regular Christian um, and not have it be taboo is, is amazing. And, and I think it needs to be heard, especially like in Spanish countries as well. Like you mentioned the East country, um, the Asian countries, mm -hmm. but um, Spanish countries as well is like so taboo. So Thank you for enduring my very hard questionnaires. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It's been uh, it's been refreshing to me. There's not a lot of Christians that will even breach those topics. So, and for sure. and I, I do want to say that like I, I I guess I presented my uh, there there are no perfect Christians, right? There are no clean cut Christians. Everyone's got their struggles, whether they admit to it or not. Like we all walk yeah. into church and we might pretend like we're perfect. It's like that song that came out. What was that song? Um, Stained Glass Masquerade, or what is it? It might have... No, I think it was like a Matthew West song. Matthew um, West song. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it's super popular like a few weeks ago. Uh, but it, it was about that topic. Like Christians, they always come to church and they act like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm doing just fine. I don't have any struggles. When you see a clean cut Christian, like they're struggling with something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, like I mentioned, it's it's heterosexual attraction mm -hmm. and uh you know it's it, some everyone's got something whether they know it or not <laughs> they've got something and so we're we're all trying to be uh like like jesus and find our our way back to him yeah <laughs> well i loved having you on man and once again guys um i really really want you to go and check out his channel and subscribe to his channel because he is you know um not catering to the crazy hot topic christianity titles and you know the demonology and all that <laughs> stuff that really brings in the the big bucks and the and the views and stuff you know he's really doing something that is so commendable especially to me um he's been a huge help in my own life and in studying the bible and i know that he's going to be a really huge help for you and when he finally gets those books to release you should go out and buy them <laughs> so go go to his website and his his wife actually has a blog as well on their website uh, to be like christ.com with a two 
Um, and you can go and check out her blog and, and what she's doing and stuff. And, you know, hit him up on, on Facebook. That's where he responded to me. So <laughs> if you want to talk to him. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm so bad at checking my messenger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once again, I'm so happy to have him on here, guys. And I hope you enjoyed his testimony. And, it, and I'm sure it was a very relatable for many of you guys. And, and to have this really good, awesome, like, kind of discussion about uh, Christianity and same-sex attraction from two different perspectives, two different lives. Um, it's been a pleasure. So thank you guys for listening. <laughs> I'll see everybody later. Peace out. Bye.